Good evening, friend. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's your weekend, Mike? Uh, scary. There's all scary. the zombie stuff, Halloween things happening. Mm. I mean, Halloween hasn't happened yet, but it's the weekend before Halloween, so that's when people are deciding they can't be bothered with midweek Halloween anymore. They've got to be doing it on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. This is, um, I feel like I've talked about this before on the show, but whatever, we talk every week. Repetition is right. inevitable. Right. Um, the official sanctioned scheduled um, city trick-or-treating window is not a concept that I have ever really been fully cognizant of. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, we lived in a uh, a lake neighborhood. If that makes sense. Yeah. Around um, a lake. Yeah, around a lake. A lot of um, vacation houses, retirees. Not a big trick-or-treating scene. Yeah, so you can't really walk around the outside of a huge lake thing. Yeah, and so yeah. we would go to my grandparents' house. We lived in a mm-hmm. more standard uh, suburb, subdivision, and um, trick-or-treat from there. But I was a kid, so, you know, all of that planning and scheduling was done by adults. And I was yeah. homeschooled, so I was rarely, you know, uh, aware of it. And right. then... Ever since then, I don't think I've ever... I maybe put candy out once when I lived in Bloomington. Um, but for the most part, we would just... Because I was in a house that was split into apartments, we would just maybe put stuff in a bowl, like right inside the door, and hope for the best. Yeah. But, um... Wait, you would just you were one of those people that just left the bowl of candy out? Yeah. yeah. Uh, why? How did that... And, how, don't and you only, know people just pour the whole bag into the, their bag? Uh, of course, of course. Okay, I mean, right. it's, it's whatever. Like Last I w- three people. <laughs> I was I was not going to spend my evening like sitting by the door handing out candy. Like oh, see, I was but either. It, it doesn't I, stop them though. They just like keep knocking. <laughs> uh, well, not if not if you're gone. Not if the lights are out. Oh yeah, meet, right. Meet your friends at the bar. Oh, so um, so you you were nice enough to at least still put something out. See, I would just leave. Yeah, that's sort of that was sort of the compromise. And again, I only did that once. Like normally there was sure. something going on. My headspace for Halloween was are we meeting up? Are people wearing costumes? I don't want to be the only fool in a costume when everyone else is wearing normal clothes. I've made that <laughs> mistake more than once. Um right. But oh, there I just realized you're gonna be here on Thanksgiving on Halloween this year. Am I? You are. We just talked about that off the off the air that you're coming in on Thursday, which is Halloween. Oh, we, did, right. the first we didn't put Friday. that into plans. That's I'll I'll come up with some conceptual con, con costume that's not um You can always wear your hopper costume. That's true, I could do that. Although everyone, you know, Trotsky will be there in his uh Hawaiian shirt hopper and I'll be outclassed. That's, no, you can be like the two both versions of Hopper. That's great. Oh, that's that that might be funny. That's right. I mean if there was a, a bit where all of us do all the hoppers would be great. <laughs> that's like um People do those group costumes where they're all different versions of some actor every year. It's like right. Tom Hanks one year and Keanu Reeves the next. Right. Well, I've gone on for this anecdote too long. One year Halloween was on a Wednesday, and I assumed that meant like partying both weekends. Uh, turned out there was only partying the weekend before Halloween. Like once yeah. Halloween is over, it's over. So oh, yeah. people are on th- a Thanksgiving then after that. This week it's a Thursday, and I assume that all of the big to do was last weekend. That's correct. Everything, everything's done around town is already done. Now, now, yeah. of course, there's there's 
uh, trick or treating, which I just realized now that we were just talking about uh, you coming into town on Thursday. I, I got to go trick or treating. You got to be trick or treating instead of going to. Uh, right. Now, yeah, uh, Sid's thirteen, so she's coming right on the age of like mm. where she's just about. I've been trick or treating with kids for the last twenty years. Like I have, a, <laughs> I have a twenty-one year old. Maybe it's like nineteen years, and and I think you know. Being first-time parents, we took him when they, she was like two or something. Right. Um, and In a stroller. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but she was enough to, where she'd walk. I wasn't one of those jerk-hole parents who takes babies trick-or-treating. <laughs> like, I, I always look at those people with big eye rolls like, you're not feeding the baby candy. Right. right? <laughs> we know who's getting that. Uh, you're not fooling anybody, pal. You're not fooling anybody. You're walking up with the baby. Trick or treat. <laughs> God, what a terrible, terrible thing. It's not like the baby's like, oh, this is fun. I'm doing this thing out in the cold. Right. Uh, was it you or somebody who had posted a meme or somebody had posted a meme the other day? It's like, I live in the Midwest. I could never be Spider-Man for Halloween. I always had to be Spider-Man with a jacket. Mm, nice. That's exactly <laughs> what I was. Well, so anyway, I've been doing it for like 20 years and now... Right. And now Sid is 13 and she's got a costume and she's, we're probably going to go trick or treat, but we probably go trick or treating with other little kids. So she's yeah. just at the edge. Cause when you start seeing those like 15, 16 year old boys walk around the neighborhood, you're like, all right. Yeah. Cut. You got to have a, uh, you got to, you got to get a beard, right? You got to find <laughs> right. like a four or five year old that she can take with her. Exactly. So that, so that she's justified in that. Exactly. And that's what, that's what she's probably going to do. So that, so we'll probably do that, but it, I'm, I fear that it might be the last year that my, my daughters, that I go out with my own kids and mm. go trick or treating, which is, it's, that's okay. 20 years is enough. It's sure. It's fun. You know, and you mentioned like the, the organizing it as a parent type thing. It kind of is a thing. I mean, it depends on how much you want to get into it, but like, I remember my old neighborhood was really really good with candy like they gave only the chocolates mm. out and the real good stuff and you go to other neighborhoods and they're giving out you know really lame hard candies and gum and stuff right right um, or the ones that you go in bloomington that give granola and apples you know so those hippies right but if you go last year i mean last year we did go to like a really it was sydney's friend and we went over to her house and that she lives on the east side of bloomington which is really really ritzy mm. mm -hmm. of high-end faculty live over there and they were giving out full candy bars like full size candy bars they were they yeah. were big leaguing yeah they don't mess around i was like holy crap and she had like overflowing with candy in the first block and a half <laughs> you're like this is this is crazy these these neighborhoods have the, the haves and the have nots for for stuff they, but um they they went to they went to sam's and just filled up a cart they did candy bars. they did well, anyway, that uh, we're, we're going to be doing that, and uh, our buddy Chris had a Halloween party last weekend. I didn't get to go to, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, Captain Chris from from the, yep. the the show, and um, Bloomington had their family business downtown trick or treating. Cindy did a boys. She volunteered at Boys and Girls Club Halloween event, and hmm. oh, and here's why this is impertinent. She went or impertinent. It's pertinent. She she went to. I picked her up from school. I have Fridays off and I, I took her, picked her up. So I was like, ah, I got to leave to go pick her up from school. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to go take her to go see Maleficent. <clears throat> We're going to go see a movie. Hmm. And I was kind of excited about it. And then we pick her up and she's like, I got this thing for Halloween at six. I was like, um, but she did plan it. And it was a thing for her for a long time. So I was like, ah, I just, you know, my darn memory. Um, so she went to that, but it was like four hours. So I still went and watched a movie. Um, 
didn't watch Maleficent, but I watched Zombieland 2. I was like, I was just like pulled, rolled up to the theater and I said, what's playing? And they said, Zombieland 2 right now. It just started and that's the only one. So, uh, no spoilers. Was it, was it good? I enjoyed it. I, I admittingly have not seen the first one. I watched like, I've seen like oh. a few scenes of the first one. Mm-hmm. So I knew kind of what it generally was about. Was it the same cast? Yes. Same cast. Okay. Um, just 10 years later. Um, right, right. and they, and they recognize that, that they mentioned it right off the bat. Like we've been doing this zombie living in zombie land for 10 years. We know all the stuff and do all the things. So, <laughs> which is pretty great that the movie is so lighthearted with, you know, yeah. zombie apocalypse stuff. And so, so great. Um, the only thing is that I am not a fan of that. The main actor guy, he played, uh, Lex Luthor in the Batman Superman movie. Uh, Eisenberg. Facebook. Yes. Jesse Eisenberg. I am not a fan of that guy. Just <laughs> something about him grades on me. Uh, so thankfully, he wasn't terrible, and everybody else in the cast is pretty great. Um, Woody Harrelson nails it out of the park. Pretty good, of course. Yeah, and the story—the story—it's like an hour and a half long, I think. Mm. And the story—it's just enough, right? It's just enough to to, yeah. to do what it is. It has some dumb scenes, and it comes to a culminating dumb thing that you're like oh this is a perfect fitting (laughs) of dumbness for what this is supposed to be right um so like and then when it ended it's like that's the end and you're like great i didn't need to know more but it's nice that i did right nice it's kind of like another episode in the world of this thing Uh, so i kind of want to go back watch the other one and that was pretty fun um i have um gone over to the house a few times in the last week mm-hmm. um put down some more of that uh baseboard trim on the second floor and then some trim curses touch up uh paint as i mentioned the windows go all the way to the floor so i had to spend some time uh Saturday, sunday um cutting notches into the trim that's something into the details there we but. have to get like a really bad terrible like screaming sound when every t- time you have to work at like on the trim and then we go back and put it in the thing. You know, you say, I had to work on the trim this week. And then, oh, I don't mind it. It's a thing I understand. It's, uh, you know, a lot of it's not fitting super well, but I'm going to go back around with uh, with putty and caulk and make it all look good. It's painted white, so it's not, you know, it doesn't as, I, as I had said, I've been doing my trim and I was going at it for several months, and then I just said, I'm done with this, and I haven't done it for a year. <laughs> so it's like like my kitchen has trimmer on the door that I just stopped. <laughs> it's like, I, need, I, I mean, I need to, like, it's one of those I need to get inspired again and, like, just hit it hard and finish everything up again, but ugh, trim is so terrible. Um, Did you say um, that you got a chance to watch uh, Letterkenny? I did not get to see Letter. You King. didn't. Okay. That that's the one of all the things that we were talking about that we did not get to watch. Um I we'll was circle gonna back watch to it. that. So right. it's um, on your it's on it's not available. I can't remember because the thing is on Hulu and I don't have Hulu. So oh. I gotta go roundabout ways to to watch it. Okay. I'll yeah, I'll double check. It's Crave TV, but we'll talk uh we'll talk after the show. I can try to help you figure out where that yeah, it's it's Canadian, uh, and, so it's a little it's a little tricky. You might have I've, to I've seen several clips on it now, so deal with the deal with the ads on Hulu or something. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Netflix original, um, "Living with Yourself." Did you get a chance to see this? I did. Paul Red, mm-hmm. double the red, double the red. Did you see all of it? 
I did, actually. Okay. So we're going to talk about the Netflix original Living With Yourself, starring Paul Rudd. And it's full of spoilers, like almost from the first episode. So I'm going to hit the bell. Spoiler alert. Uh, so he dies. No. <laughs> I mean, that, that he was actually, the... He actually doesn't die. Right. That's the actual thing that, like, I think made this show good. Was that it? The from the beginning, I kept thinking, "Oh, somebody's going to die at the end of this." Like it, it, it just had the weird, feeling about that. It, like we're jumping into spoilers right away, but it has a weird, like, non-ending ending, which yeah. is kind of crazy. It's like, um, which I didn't like. I, I didn't like that it just stopped there. It needed I, another like ten minutes. I hate comparing everything to uh, Black Mirror, but it was like. An episode of Black Mirror, but positive at the end instead of depressing. Yeah, yeah, and and that last episode made the the show good. Like it made the four did, hours of the show. good. Did you notice that the um the title card intro sequence got more and more intense? I did not. I, I think a lot of times I, after the first three, I skipped. Skipped it, yeah. Um, my sister Sarah commented on that, and then so I paid attention to it on the last episode. And it's like doing the the same music, but the the music is more intense, and all the lights and colors are flashing really like crazily. Huh, like, oh man, that's it's sort of reflecting the the escalating nature of this story, right? Um, so this this is a uh, you know obviously anyone has ever posed the question. If you could live with yourself, would you be your best friend or would you hate yourself? That's kind of what the premise of this whole thing is. Sort of. Yeah. So the the setup is um, Paul Rudd is this guy who, over time, you get some flashbacks, some more context of his character. He and his wife have been married about 10 years. And he's um, he's working in a job where he's just kind of going through the motions. He's not making any, making any waves, doing anything impressive. Um, He's, he's fallen he's, behind in it, actually. He's fallen behind in his work. Um, he and his wife have moved to the suburbs and plan to start a family. That's been seven years ago, and they still can't conceive. Um, as I said last week, he keeps putting off his um, his appointment with the um, fertility doctor. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right term for that. but um, And so he's just in this like rut of depressing kind of state and he's got a coworker who is um I don't know that I have to explain all of this we're in the spoiler section so hopefully you've seen it already if you're if you're getting to this point um it was really interesting to see him play two different characters like we've seen this before last year we watched um what happened to monday yep. um which was it was okay it felt like the premise was not really well executed like we say right. about a lot of netflix originals um there was also the canadian uh tv drama orphan black which was really good really you know the the uh, main character there playing as many as six different versions not versions of herself but different clones different characters who were all looked the same but yeah all looked different right um this was less extreme like the the different versions of Paul Rudd didn't speak in different accents. Um, they just had, you know, one had a fully fresh new body without any of the residual 
or without as much of the residual wear and tear of a body that's been lived in for 40 plus years. Right. And had a better like emotional and mental outlook because of that. Yeah. And, least, and, and what, what you forgot the to first say episode was the people who hadn't seen this is that, that like it's about cloning. He gets cloned. Yeah. But, but with full, full exact age and memories intact. Right. So, right. So it's like they make a new body of that age without any of its problems and then do something in his brain to make a version of him that still makes all of the best choices for himself. Right. Right. Will still like drink green tea and, and not drink alcohol and, um, you know, has a, just a positive sunny outlook on life. But then at the same time has this like existential crisis kind of, kind of depression just under the surface because he is aware that he's not real or that he's not the true version yeah. of himself. Right. Which, which bothers him because that's, that's something that's okay. There's several things in this, this, I, I keep want to say movie because it feels actually, it feels like it could have been a better two, two and a half hour movie. Not that it felt long. It was like, it was okay. 30 minute episodes and stuff. Yeah. It's but like eight, 20, 25 maybe one or two of them are closer to 30 right uh, minute episodes so, 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 so it's you like think a of it very about, long movie yeah it's like a four-hour movie and, but, and if you think about like the concept that they're treading on here four hours is an awful lot but breaking um, it up into episodes makes it a lot more um a lot easier to watch you watch it in chunks and it kind of jumps around you see yeah. one episode is the day from one person's perspective and then the next episode will be that same day from another person's perspective yeah yeah it's, it's just different because these kind of shows that are released like this in a binge worthy fashion even though they're episodic they're still one show they're one concept yeah. stranger things is one story that lasts 10 hours you know right it's, you don't have to what, do recaps you don't have to do as much uh right and it's not like retreading the between. same ground. You don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to pad out a lot of content to get a full season. It's and the, even though, yeah, even it's though one it's of the true strengths of this of this Netflix or just streaming in general format being completely untethered from the weekly schedule and the hourly time slots and the fit in all the commercial time slots. Like all of those restrictions taken off means that. You can do anything. And sometimes that anything that people do with Netflix money is garbage or right. just truly mediocre. And then every once in a while, you get something like the first season of Stranger Things or, right. you know, this. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. They, that, that, that's the thing is that, though, because it's binge worthy and it is one thing, it can be more susceptible to like, OK, this is long. Right, because it, yes, it's in thirty-minute episodes, but you sit down and watch three hours of it, right? And it's like, oh man, I've been three hours on this story, and it feels long. Although this, I will, even though I say that, this didn't feel terribly long. I watched, mm-hmm. I broke it up over a couple of days, you know, like three yeah. or four days. So I, I, I did yeah, watch two, three sessions. episodes, right? Uh, so I watched two, three, you know, episodes of thing, and then and moved on, and it was pretty good, and it was interesting enough that I wanted to go back to it, and then by the third session. When I was ready for it to be over, it was over. They, like they would have put, if they yeah. would have put 10, 11, 12 episodes, it probably <laughs> would have been too much. So, okay, right. that, that moving along from that. Um, so this, 
show does some different things that you don't expect in a good way. Like, um, it, it doesn't try to explain at all the cloning process. That's not the point. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It, 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 they, they do a decent job of making you believe that, um, um, I don't know that it's, they, that they accept it and they just kind of go on from it. Like they do where he's going to threaten to call the police and then they give him money and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, he just moved on from it. Didn't make like a national case of it. Cause your first thought is like, oh my God, this should get out in the press and this can go out into the thing. But the way they handle it, it's just very much kind of feels natural that they didn't and they didn't care. And it's just a thing. Right? How did you, I don't want to interrupt your, your uh, role here, but how did you like the, the sort of side tangent with the, uh, with the, f- federal quote-unquote agents i was gonna say that's another thing that it does too is that it just inter- randomly interjects comedy type stuff right like that i don't know it's just weird which that was funny and i liked it but it was just so out of place that the show was getting starting to go into dark places and then it throws <laughs> a hilarious over well, the top yeah FBI it's just people. this this series of of like what if questions which is of course the foundation of of any kind of uh, speculative fiction, but they're like, yeah, what if, what if cloning is real? And instead of what these kind of stories normally do, where there's some like shadow evil corporation, um, you know, Hydra or the ring or mm-hmm. insert whatever, you know, specter, if you want to go all the way back to James Bond, um, you know, that's like, plotting to take over the world no it's this technology and there are a couple guys in a strip mall using it illegally under the under the table and they're like literally in a strip mall run down <laughs> room right yeah and when they try to report it well what federal uh you know entity is going to try and enforce or respond to a claim on on human cloning well it ends up being the fda right because something presumably cloning livestock or whatever like who would it be would it be the uh, you know the american medical association would it be food and drug well food and drug like food but yeah um food and drug i guess makes the most sense but i mean it like, did make and, sense to me I, I was like oh yeah i guess it would be the fda I guess, and they're right? like this is a thing that nobody even knows exists like how much money is the federal government gonna spend on like tracking down people doing it well none right, right. And and so that felt real in a very comical way. It, it did, and it was just that's that's kind of a lot of the show did that. It felt real, but and then well, it was it just was, like like he's in the he's in the um you know uh, pump what what do they call it nursing room for um, <laughs> right see yeah. uh, for new for new mothers uh, to to pump milk and they have to let him go and so he goes and then the story continues and I was like what was that that felt like episode. Uh, season two episode seven of of stranger things where they're like and we're gonna do this thing for an episode and then now we're back except yeah it sort of makes sense like they're following him and it's all creepy but then it's just a couple of people trying to play you know like they're burt macklin in uh, in parks and rec like they're not they're not legitimate like they're not fbi agents or anything and see see what while i did enjoy that that is the kind of stuff, though, that I think, like, you could just cut that out. You could cut out the thing with his, his buddy where he goes off and shows him the clones and stuff. Like, you cut a lot of that stuff out that did yeah. not matter, and you'd make it two two and a half hour show. The know. the thing with his buddy and the clones was a, I think, if I'm getting my details straight, was a complete, like, 
um, storytelling flaw because, well, you could explain it away like most storytelling flaws, but the clone Paul Rudd takes the guy to this place deep in the woods where they're burying How would all, he the, know that all the place, bodies. Right? He wasn't there. He didn't yeah. wake up in the ground. The real Paul Rudd did. Right. Um, and so that doesn't make any sense, but yeah. 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 It, it, that's the thing is that this movie intentionally didn't care about the details and mm-hmm. you kind of just accept it right off because, you know, it's not even like they're hiding that it's some shady organization or that. I mean, he goes to a strip mall. And it's a really <laughs> crappy room. And he walks into these really crappy, over-the-top guys who, for some weird reason, are faking Asian accents. And, you know, just like that stuff. And all of a sudden, he goes one time, he sees a unicorn in the corner. And then he sees a daughter with a unicorn. And she, he comes, the dad comes out playing with a unicorn head. Like, none of this seems to fit at all, <laughs> right? It just, it's a comedy kind of in the middle of everything. It's a little bit like last week we talked about um, yesterday, the movie. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that where this story is just about um, Paul Rudd's character and the clone and the wife and how they react emotionally and psychologically to this situation. It like, does. The questions and the details and all of that stuff is much, much less important. But I think that the writer or writers intentionally did a lot of these extra little scenes and stuff to lighten the mood. I mean, it just felt like this is a very heavy handed story. It's a heavy, depressing story. If you don't do that, if you don't do that, right. The fact that they broke it up with like, that was like a whole episode. Wasn't it of the FDA thing? And, and you're like, to it. Right. And all of a sudden you're, you're snapped back out of suicide mode, you know? And right. or, or death and murder, and because it does swing. That's the other side is that this show swings to the where is this? Oh my god! I, like I said earlier on the onset, I thought people was going to die. I thought that's that's how this kind of movie is set up is that it gets very real and very dark at times, and then swings back to corny, and then swings back to dark. And the only way this can end is if somebody dies. And at the One last episode, dies. yeah, yeah, in the last episode when he's coming after him with an axe and he's so angry. And he he's going to commit suicide and he's putting a gun in his head. You know, it gets so dark with suicide. And then in the same beat, he tries to put the gun in his head like 15 different ways, puts a bag and it, it, just, it becomes a <laughs> gag all of a sudden. You're like, what is happening? Am I supposed to be disturbed or? All right. Yeah. So yeah. that and that's that's what they're doing. I think that they and I don't it feels like that was a conscious decision. They're like, yes, this is heavy, but. Don't get too heavy. Uh, and then it ended, like you said, on a positive note, which made it great for me. Not because necessarily it was a positive note, but because, one, I didn't expect it. Two, that wasn't the point. The point was just, like, well, how would you live with this situation? How What would this work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you I definitely the... didn't feel the clone was a bad guy, right? Never. No. No. And, and you definitely get... Uh, they didn't say it quite the same way that I would have, but... You know, she spends the weekend with the clone and it's like, yeah, you have all the same memories, but they're not, they're not real. They're not yours. Like you're too, you know, you're too cheerful, right? It's like, right. That actually, that whole scene did a lot for me. Like that, yeah. that turned the whole show around for me because I was in a really, 
I, I was kept hearkening back to what you said about shows, a movie that we watched last week where I was feeling anxious because mm. of the empathy. I was, I mean, the empathy was really driving at me and overwhelming <laughs> with the show. It's like, I don't know how much more I can watch of this really good, honest guy getting his wife and his family and everything ripped out from underneath him. And then the guy who's quote unquote bad, who just has a rough life getting smashed down all the time, who's like a normal dude. And I like, this is, I was getting too much of that anxiety. I yeah. really was. And then they give him the weekend together and realize that, oh, he's, you know, it's not cut and dry here. Right. You know, there's, there's, he's a real person too. He's not fake. And, um, and I hit home when that whole like perfect thing too, it's that, you know, people who can be perfect. I, I've tried to do that many times, like try to just do everything right and be perfect. It's amazing how people don't like that. Yeah. It reminded me, of our off-air conversation about raising Dion, talking about uh, the character of Pat and how he was so right. helpful in a way that made him, you know, all exactly the more, all the more disliked. Exactly, which, and that was which is that was crazy. That doesn't seem like the way that the world should work, but it isn't. Unfortunately, it is because if you know, armchair psychologist here, uh, if somebody is so like so good and helpful and perfect. It makes you feel bad about yourself. It does. And I think that's the, that's the, I'm glad you said armchair psychologist. That is the <laughs> thought about it is that, you know, pe people don't like to, they like to feel secure. People will, would like to date or get with people kind of on their level. And when right. she had said like, she's been going through 10 years of crap and, yeah, that was and the, living through that. And he that should was be the too. sort of, that was the turn. It's like, obviously the clone Paul Rudd makes real Paul Rudd feel bad makes him feel worse about himself and his life. And he tries right. to sort of emulate some of that behavior and that helps him out a little bit. But when they get to the wife and her also like the clone Paul Rudd, making her feel bad about herself, you're like, yeah, there it is. That's I yeah, yeah that's that's. And, and he doesn't mean to. That's the most, that's the biggest empathetic part. Is yeah. That he he yeah. clearly does not mean to. He is clearly doing everything right everything that he should be doing and you can see in his uh, i mean paul rudd's acting in this in this show i almost said movie too is yeah. it's so spot on like you yeah. see his reaction when she's and he's like how how can how can being too nice and too how can that be bad like how you know you just mind blown kind of and he gets uh, so angry right and just like you want to be angry i'm like i get it dude you know yeah, there's nothing he could have done better, <laughs> right? It's just ridiculous. Um, and then so he uh, the other thing too is like I said, it's doesn't this movie doesn't do the evil clone thing. Like mm -hmm. he uh, right off the bat, he doesn't try to replace him. He doesn't. He steps back as soon as he finds out that he's a clone. He's like, I'm the clone. This sucks and it's terrible. Right. And he becomes he doesn't become the evil thing. Like you would hope that your own self would realize that what's happening here and wouldn't want your own self to be through pain. Right. Um, so that, that was, that's, I think what set the whole tone for the whole show was that the clone did never tried. Well, I didn't say never, but he was always empathetic to original miles and, you know, the Paul Rudd acting part, man, like he just put the bangs in front of his face and it's <laughs> like, Holy cow, he's a totally different person his, when Paul Rudd doesn't have... His hair's messed up, he's wearing glasses, and he's got bad posture. And yeah. then suddenly he's a different person. And then did you see 
like how did you did you appreciate that scene when he try he uh new miles tries to pretend that he's old miles and he's yeah, having a he, hard time doing he it he tries it he keeps like trying to make his voice sound more it's like oh hey 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 <laughs> Right. Which is funny because that's Paul Rudd trying to act like Paul Rudd <laughs> acting like he's acting like Paul Rudd. You know, it's like that's, yeah, it's that's a good scene that he got to do. And uh, the the whole um, we always used to call them growing up called the parent trap scenes where they'd have, mm-hmm. you know, the same actor do the same different scenes. And you could always tell when one when they're sh- a different actress or actor the, is the body double isn't quite the body double or or when they're like, oh, this is a shot where their camera is still and they're you know, on the same screen. Like that was not a problem at all in this one. It felt totally did, natural. <laughs> did you ever watch Orphan Black? I did not. Um so I watched that and I watched some of the the behind the scenes um kind of stuff because they do this technique where they block out the entire scene, including the camera moving, like the camera's on a dolly on mm-hmm. a rail. So the camera is always going to move the same way. Yeah. And the actress, uh, Tatiana Maslany, will go through the scene with a body double, right? Playing the other version of her. Yeah. And they'll go through that until she's got all the blocking right. And then she'll act the scene alone. And then she'll go into, um, and they probably do a, a couple of scenes. And then she'll go into hair and makeup for like an hour to get changed into the other character. Because oh, her geez. hair is different and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they'll do the entire process again in reverse where she's playing. She'll go through all the blocking with the body double and then act it alone so that they can put the scenes together. And, you know, she's always acting and the, you know, the more impressive things are always when they're not just touching or hugging, but like there's a scene in a season finale where one character's pouring wine in the other character's glass. And right crazy stuff like that but the camera is also moving while they're doing this um so that it all looks i mean you know that it's her uh um you know intellectually conceptually right but she's playing the characters differently and they're shown together visually in such a you know it's like we talk about uh visual effects um it's so convincing that you think they're different people yeah, the, the visual effects and the camera work and all that stuff like this that you just described has gotten so good now with that stuff that it just seems like there's twins. Like I, if Paul Rudd was a twin, that's the way it felt, yeah. right? That there's just two different people playing these roles in the same space. They didn't shy away from them being in the same space, turning the camera, turning back to the words of the camera in the same scene. Like they do a whole you know. fight. Yeah, and the whole like, fight. How hard, how long did it take them to do that fight? Right. I wonder like... You know, we take for granted, like, the cast on this. It's, you know, mainly Paul Rudd. Because even mm-hmm. though there's multiple people, he's the same. He's doing all the lines. And yeah. you're talking about the orphan black. Like, she has to do memorize all the parts. Right. You know, it's not just one thing and playing off other people. And, no, he did do them all. Which is cool. So, anyway, I, yeah, I, I like this. I, I liked the ending that it was that they had a baby and they didn't know who it was. And they kind of accepted it. I'd like to believe I loved that, that little bit, like. Well, yeah. What kind of DNA test are you going to do to see which clone is yeah. the father? There's you no can't test. Tell. There's no way. There's no test for this, right? Yeah. Which makes total sense. And 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 I am glad. That was another thing too. Refreshing was that like old OG 
Miles understood as well. Like he was pissed mm-hmm. off at the other guy all the times for doing being better than him, but he understood it all. Right? Yeah. Like he he still understood that like this guy is a genuine guy and it just pissed him off that he was a genuine guy. You know, <laughs> that that he was everything. He but he so he kind of it was all a lot of self-loathing, obviously. Um so that ending was was pretty great and and I thought that's what I kept thinking. It was like it would my happy ending would be that they enter into this polyamory type thing where they're like, you know what? It's, you know, I, I can't see myself ever living in a relationship with another guy and my girlfriend, but if it was me, maybe. Right. It, yeah. Does it still count? That's a whole different can of worms. Yeah, does All it right. count? Let's, uh, let's break here again and do, and do final judgments. Um, there's not a lot to say about this show that isn't a spoiler. I sort of described the premise of it last week. Um, it's it's not very long it's you know eight half hour episodes um you know it's netflix like try the first couple and if you're hooked on it like i was it's it's worth watching through to the end it's it's something different it's not uh it's not earth shattering it's not stranger things season one but it uh, it gets it gets heavy it's a show that gets heavy but then immediately kind of brings you up to a very silly fun spot in yeah, your emotional in that, in that sort of what spectrum. we've come to think of as a as a Marvel cinematic universe kind of tone. Right. And and it does that for for good scenes to to make sure that you get solidly out of the dark part of you. And then it, then it's going to come back to that dark you know ideas but then come back again. So yeah. It, it makes you have a lot of different feelings. <laughs> you know, in in a final synopsis of this, it does feel like a parent who's saying like there's going to be hard times and I know you're going through a hard time, but here, eat this ice cream right now. And then we'll talk about it later, you know, back and forth. So we, we that, talked about parenting last week. <laughs> right. So it feels like that. Um, so yeah, that, I, I liked it. I, I, I enjoyed it. And Paul Rudd is great. He's always great. And it's another one of the movies that he's only been in one movie that, that I don't like. It's that one we watched on Netflix. It was like a futuristic, terrible movie. I don't even remember what that's called. I don't either, but I'm glad that it's becoming erased, erased on my mind. All right. Speaking of, terrible sci-fi mm-hmm. um i i posed a, a sort of challenge uh last week to watch um i don't even know how to describe this so this is a fan edit of uh star wars the phantom menace um it's retitled cloak of deception but it's the same yep. story as phantom menace um and yeah what did you you, you got a chance to watch this I did. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as big of a venomous hater. person, hater on episode one. That does not mean that I like it or that it's good. <laughs> it just is, I'm not like, I think it's clear that I think The Last Jedi is probably as bad. Eh, no, it's not. I think The, the Phantom Menace is probably worse. But it, it's, it just, I don't know. I really had the ability to see it for it for what it was because I had a kid at the appropriate age. Sure. And that made all the difference. She was like six or something like that. And if, if there's one yeah. thing I know about six year olds, it's that they love trade negotiations. <laughs> no, but they loved, you know, Jar Jar and little Stupid, kids. Stupid, goofy pod racing. And yeah. And even though the trade negotiations wasn't interesting, the goofy guys, fish guys with the goofy voices were. I don't know if this is me uh, or whatever. When, when did Phantom Menace come out? Oh, one. Maybe 2000. 
Yeah, probably. Maybe it might have been even been before Lord of the Rings. Um, I I don't know because it was so it got so much hate, and I watched the like forty minute YouTube video where the guy goes through scene by scene and is like, "Why are they called Jedi Knights when uh, Obi Wan isn't a, a Jedi Knight yet? He's still an apprentice." And why do they do this with the you know gas isn't visible? It's like some of it's nitpicky stuff, and some of it is like. Okay, they said they needed to do this. Why are they doing this? This none of the story makes any sense. Um and it's that that right. kind of like if if you think Phantom Menace is bad because Jar Jar Binks is annoying, you're missing all of the real reasons the movie is bad. Sure, but sure. I felt like watching this yes, it's still the story of Phantom Menace, but and and I was very much watching for Things that I recognized as differences. Like, I watched this mm-hmm. with Rift Tracks uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the original Phantom Menace. Yep. The, you know, full theatrical cut, whatever. Um, and so I had some vague idea of the high points. Um, and a lot of that is still there. They couldn't change it. Like, Jar Jar Binks is still the same. Like, he still talks the same way that he talks but they cut out so much of his scenes, so much of his dialogue. They cut out the entire sequence where um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan swim down into the ocean and meet the Gungans for the first time and all that. Like they go straight when they're in the ship and they say, we need to go talk to the, um, the council at Naboo or whatever. Like they go down there and they do that. There's no undersea adventure in between. Right now, see that that's where, I, and again, I'm not saying any of this is fantastic movie movies or movie making, <laughs> but the probably the thing in the first, I'd say, 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes, of this movie that started to annoy me about watching it was because there were scenes that I actually may have liked or phrases because I've seen it a mm, hundred million times. I see is is that I knew was happening and then it was gone. I'm like, that seems very choicey that you would decide to do that, and then all of a sudden they would do another scene and they'd leave a Jar Jar scene in where he'd say stuff. And I'm like but you don't cut that out or how come Annie has this terrible scene where he's talking to Padme that makes no sense and does nothing right. for the story yet. They don't cut that out, but they at cut the, another one out at the junkyard. Yeah. I don't. That, yeah. That was, that was the scene where um, um, Natalie Portman delivers some line and I'm like, that is not a thing a 14 year old would ever say. I don't care how you were raised in a Royal court, whatever. Like that's just not a turn of phrase. Yeah. That a that a child of that age would use. Well, I, they're on the ship, and he says like he gives her a thing, and like here's a here's a thing for your neck, and it bring you good fortune. Why don't you just say good luck? You oh know, yeah, it's like bring, a little kid. Bring you good fortune. Yeah, I mean, and and so so for and they me, left that in, but they don't, but they take yeah. other stuff. That, so for me, the for me the judgment on this was, um, in this edit of the movie, I understood everything that was happening. I don't know if that was me watching it in my late thirties versus me watching it, you know, in my early twenties or as a teenager, losing track of the dates there, but, and, you know, paying attention, maybe having all of that extra distracting nonsense cut out. um, Let me focus on the actual story and go, Oh, okay. They're doing this thing and they got to stop them and they need help, but they're not going to get help unless they do this thing. And there's this guy, he's obviously uh, the emperor and he's he's you know laying the groundwork for for taking power, and he's got to do it slowly because it's his political system. 
Um, and, and all that made sense to me in a way that I don't think had before. Um, there's still, there's still a lot of time, a lot of footage of pod racing that like if it were me, I would cut out. I mean, that's sort of the nature of the beast here. Like you've got one guy, you know, probably got some suggestions and, and stuff on forums or whatever, but he said, you know, you just decide how to edit it. I mean, it's sort of a, um, a testament to how important editing is and how much of a difference it makes. It's like when a movie, you know, like I'm thinking of Blade Runner, which has like five different director's cuts, um, where somebody goes in and says, you know, we don't need this. We should have this in instead. And, this and this and like you watch deleted scenes on dvds or whatever and you see like how important that is to the to the whole flow and and tone of a thing like this is the same it's still the same movie jar jar is still like i said he talks the same way it's still annoying the both of the kids even though natalie portman is like 20 um no she's not uh she's like 17 whatever that's not important um are you know they're delivering some lines that are written by adults that are clearly written by adults like all of that is still there you can't really change that you can't change the way that the other gungans talk um but i felt like for me as you know a person who didn't experience it as a parent with kids or or any of that stuff just as a teenager going man this movie was terrible and mm. then have 20 years of this is the worst thing that ever happened. Um, right. You know, internet, internet yeah. hyperbole. Right. Um, I won't go so far as to say it was a good movie. I think it was a drastic improvement over the original. Ah, see, see, I, th- here's where we, I think we, if we differ, I, I felt that it was pretty unnecessary. I, I didn't get anything more from it. And things that there were definite scenes that annoyed me about it. And like I said, I, if I w- would would want the Gungans seen in a different way, showing their city was kind of a big thing. And then showing that they have like a big civilization was kind of important. Mm-hmm. Although sh- making him talk silly to to um, uh, Natalie Portman, the Queen Amidala and saying Misa like and, you know, you can cut those things out or you could cut out. Like when he makes him bombard the general, you're like, okay, there's so much here. And if you want to make the, uh, the, um, droids, uh, not seem so dumb, then why are you keeping these really silly fight scenes in where they're fighting really silly? Like they just, he just picks and pick and chose things that I didn't understand. Right. Sure. I mean, and, and I guess like I, I was hyper aware of the ones things that were missing and I actually didn't think a whole lot was missing. And I did later go back and look and I was like, OK, he just picked and chose a few scenes like he took out the poop scene. OK, I didn't like the poop scene, <laughs> but there's just other ones that he kept in. And I kept thinking like, OK, if you're going to do it, do it. And I am a huge, strong believer that editing makes the movie. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one just did not do anything more for me. Then, then if anything, it left out some things that I thought that you would have left in that I would have left in. Right. And it just felt arbitrary. Like I like some kids sitting down in a room saying, I didn't like this, so I'm going to remove it. Um, mm. the, the pod racing scene, for example, um, there are beats in that thing that, that certain things happen and goes through and he cuts them out, but then leaves other dumb ones in. Like, sure. you know, he gets a um, 
he gets hooked on somebody or something and then he cuts that out. I'm like, why would you cut that out? That was cool. It showed that he's able to, you know, get around a thing. He's a really good pilot. This kid is yet. Then they keep in a really silly thing when like, uh, I don't know the it blows up and there's a frog on the side of the thing. It's like, or uh, <laughs> J- Jabba flicking the frog off the side. Like, why would you keep that in? Like, right. I don't understand why you would keep some dumb things in. And doesn't, take other doesn't he out. leave in the, uh, the this is pod racing line? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that was yeah. that was the one where we were like, what? Why, why didn't you cut that? Uh, yeah. There's so many things that he if he wanted to. I thought this was going to be a big edit like that. Like this is going to cut it way down. And because he made some cuts, he had to change the sound. Like I know in the pod racing scene, it's like they they don't talk at all. There's like no sound and they've just kind of hmm. i don't know what he did with the music but it was it's kind of way different they just removed the vocal track and it was sure. really weird um, um the the big things aside from the underwater scene that i mentioned already he took out all of the droids talking to each other which which that's fine that was fine like the the kids t- the droids talking to each other is a goofy kid thing yeah um and again cut- that was okay if you were a kid watching those shows right Right. The the droids were funny. Ha ha. Goofy. Let's laugh at them. I like the little droids because they're so goofy. Yeah. But for a 17 or a 35 <laughs> year old. Oh, I hate that. Right. right? Um, okay. And he took out all mention of midi-chlorians. Yeah, sure. Which, and which was like one scene, right? Like um, maybe two. I think they might have said something about it. a couple. Yeah, I don't remember anymore. But right. OK. Yeah. So some of those were OK. I mean, some of those were good to remove and. You know, I, sure. except I, I was okay with some of those, but it it's, just, the choice was weird. It's subjective. I mean, you know, I mentioned before director's cuts. That's a perfect example. Like a director makes a movie, he signs off on the edit, the movie gets uh, distributed, and then, you know, six months later he comes back and goes, maybe I, I don't know. Let's look at this again. I think that maybe we should, you know. So, uh, you know, subjective uh, judgment there, but. Well, the thing about today is it's not just that. Now they go through edits and they come back through and then they're like, okay, now we reshoot. Because it's not just one guy with a huge ego who has control sure. of his entire studio and anything he wants to do with Yes Men around him. It's, I mean, not to go too hyperbole here, but it feels to me George Lucas back then was Donald Trump. It's <laughs> it's just like he could do anything he wanted and anyone would say what he wanted to say. There really, I bet you there was very minimal ed- edits and I bet you he made the edits. Oh yeah, I mean, you can tell i don't i don't want to spend too much time here but right, you can right. you can tell in the script for phantom menace that this is a first draft right like, he he threw this idea out and everybody around him was like well this is the star wars guy like 30 years ago we did this thing and it was amazing and we're gonna do whatever he tells us to do like yeah. yes men is the perfect word for that i i would watch i would watch the uh i'm, I'm one of those guys that watches all the behind the scenes things and the extras mm-hmm. and on the phantom menace one when they're casting jake lloyd he does not do well at all. And this is not a knock on the actor. He was like a kid, right? But he does yeah. not do well at all. They have like three kids that they highlight in that video. And and they all, these other two do really great jobs, really cool, like interesting things. And then Jake Lloyd is bland and not very good. And it's, I will still use this to this day. They come back and they're in a round table and it's the casting people and George Lucas. And they're talking about who they're going to cast. And all of them are pointing out the other two kids. And uh george lucas is like yeah but if we get this jake kid he's just different and he's like you never know what's going to happen he could totally be you know uh, and, and everybody just smiles around you can see them with like 
fake smiles like, mm-hmm. okay, sure. <laughs> and, and I mean, it really is so blatant. Like everyone did not want him. And then as soon as he said it, they're like, okay, sure. And I'm like, oh, see, th- this is how this movie was made. So yeah. anyway, ending that one, if they would have made this edit today, they would have done this kind of an edit. And then they would have came back and reshot some of those scenes that like, okay, the Jar Jar thing, we need Try to, to convey some, and, some of that information in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Let's reshoot this scene and do that a little differently now that we're, you know, but they didn't do that then. They could have so, at least gotten it up to uh, the Justice League movie level of uh, confusing. <laughs> right, right. All so right. I don't know if they're doing that with all these, right? Or are they just he, doing that he one? Did, or... He did all three. Um, oh, I've, okay. not, I've not seen the other ones. Maybe some point we'll check those so out. so the clone wars has basically like 10 minutes of footage is that what you're I, I, I have no idea <laughs> actually i kind of want to watch that one because i know that there are some scenes that absolutely drive me bonkers with any interaction with padme and anakin like mm, yeah at all so hopefully they just they disappear you know what about sand it's it's coarse yeah that exactly the sand the sand oh my god okay let's talk about our weekly challenge <laughs> Wow, we got to switch from space sci-fi to Halloween horror. You call this suspense, right? Suspense. Suspense, yeah. yeah. So we're talking about Stanley Kubrick's 1980, uh, ma- the tagline says, a masterpiece of modern horror. Uh, I hate calling every movie on this poster a classic, but this is this is a horror classic. The, yeah, uh, the, the Shining. Sure. And I think probably when this came out in 1980, it was a mass- modern masterpiece of horror. Yeah, there's some there's some very oppressive visual effects here. Um, I mean, we saw another movie that was out around that time, Evil Dead, and comparatively, well, I'm sure this had about ten times the budget of Evil Dead. But yes, sure, yes, sure. everything everything in this is quote unquote believable. A lot of things that people are seeing are are. Um, visions or hallucinations so they're not necessarily supposed to be real but you're seeing something crazy most notably the elevator hallway filling with blood yeah i will say that this movie is all about as good horror movies are the sound and the music Mm -hmm. right like it's all about that yeah um it's so loud at times (laughs) you know okay so this is a almost 40 year old movie but um at some point in this conversation, we're going to talk about the ending because I've read the book and seen the movie and the endings are different. So I'm going to hit the bell. Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, so this is interesting. How was the ending of the book different? Okay. In a disclaimer here, it's been at least 15, maybe closer to like 18 or 19 years since I read the book. But... And I've never read the book or watched the movie till now. Um, uh, in Stephen King's uh, horror thrillers, um, he uses this mechanism of repetition. Um, and you see this just a little bit in the movie with the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Mm-hmm. But in his books, the, some of the ones that I've read is not true of Dark Tower series or um, The Stand. But he'll spend a lot of time in the character's mind. Like, they'll run things around in their in their head. Somebody early in the book will say something to them, say a, you know, an expression, a turn of phrase, and they'll go back to it again and again. 
And so in the book, you get a lot of detail on the incident where he was drunk and the son messed up his papers and he hit him or something. They don't mm -hmm. say in the movie exactly what he did. Well, in and the movie, he, he they explains it, but they never actually show any of it. Right? No, yeah. It. And you don't, you don't get that explanation until fairly deep into the movie. Yeah. And the wife still holds it over him. Like she's still always a little bit suspicious of him. And he has to deal with that. He's like, it's one thing. It's a thing. And he's sober now and there's no alcohol in the hotel. And so he's, he wants a drink, but he's trying to get work done and he can't really work creatively when he's sober. And you just get all of this going around and around in his head. Meanwhile, one of the most important things that he's supposed to do taking care of this hotel is to um, bleed off. I don't know if that's the right expression, but bleed off the boiler. Now, the mm -hmm. boiler is old and it doesn't, it doesn't regulate pressure the way that it's supposed to. Um, and so he has to check on it like, every day and maybe even more than once a day. This is in the book? In the book. Yeah, okay. And, and the pressure builds up. Like, they show the boiler room once, and the right. wife, like, checking it. But it's right. not a thing in the movie at all. At all, right. And so, all the stuff I described with his internal monologue, as he's going through and all this, is paralleled in the physical world with this boiler and the pressure. And they go through the same sort of thing where he goes to the ballroom and the the spirits of people who died in the hotel are there mm -hmm. and they offer him a drink and he drinks but it's all you know none of it's physically real it's all you know um preternaturally real or something and then he goes into this spiral and i don't remember the details of what happened as far as you know the way it's portrayed in the movie with him chasing them around and trying to kill them but enough time passes that he forgets about the boiler, right? Because he's fully in this thing. You know, he's he's imbibed the, the yep. spirits of the hotel instead of alcoholic spirits. Right. Um, the same thing happens with the son calling out to the cook who comes. And I think that same thing happens where he saves them. I don't think that he dies in the book. Okay. Um, and then the climax of the book is that the boiler explodes and the hotel catches fire and burns down. Okay. And in the the flaming inferno of this burning hotel, they can see the like ghosts spirits sort of flying up into the into the sky maybe a little bit like uh Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like being released or something. Being released and it's this big climactic moment. Um and so the ending in the movie is quite a bit different, right? You saw sure. it. Sure, yeah. I mean, I thought it was fine. I could see <laughs> how, if it, I mean, I had not read the book, so to me it was a fine ending. Mm -hmm. um, it fit and worked and was appropriately mysterious, but it plays into this strange <clears throat> kind of, um, like, history repeats itself kind of thing. Yeah. The The hotel is built on uh native burial grounds or something um yeah. all I, th of that I think it, i think it fits in the same way and and i'm going to bring this up a couple times probably it's the same way that ready player one changed scenes from the book in in the movie mm. and obviously they used a thing in this one but they swapped out a different thing but it's still kind of there 
At least yeah. that's the way I felt about it. I remember I, I, it's hard for me to say because I didn't read the book. And, I, and especially if you read it first, you probably have strong feelings about a scene or a right. plot topic. And since I haven't had those things at all in this, they don't... Like, I can get the pressure boiler thing. I get how that could be an th- important thing. But I, it doesn't seem to... It adds to this movie, but it doesn't seem to be important to this movie, sure. right? Like, it kind of like I think all books should be enhances the movie all around. You should read it. So you get the realness of everything, but a movie only has so much time and yeah, you know, and, and that's I mean, what it is. this movie is already two and a half hours long. Right. So just to, just to maybe, uh, uh, complete and get past my, my initial statement prediction from last week's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, when I watched this in my early 20s, after reading the book, I was like, this movie's dumb. Why did everybody do the, like the book is so much better than this. This is sure, just a, sure, a short yeah. watered down, the, the weak ending. Blah, I bet blah, it was. Blah. I bet it felt really watered down because this is a very psychological thing. I bet. Yeah. And I mean, the book is it's a book. It's full of text. And so you yeah. get like there's this and it's head and it's head and, it's head, and the movie goes through. You're like an hour in and suddenly um jack nicholson's character is is a jerk and you don't understand why i totally get that that was something i was gonna bring up i didn't understand you eventually something or but it's it's some sort of hybrid between okay let me let me finish this thought before i jump into the next one Uh um watching it now in my late 30s i was able to you know look at him you know sort of side by side at least this with my 15 year old memory of the book and and seeing it the first time and go yeah this is just a different version of this story there's no way that you can compress a novel into a you know two and a half hour movie it's just not possible and i understand that now and i understand that (laughs) adaptations stand or fall on their own yeah at least mostly divorced from their source material and you have to be able to look at the two side by side and say uh, you know, yes, um, a Spider-Man movie is not going to contain half of what you saw in 20 years worth of comics. Um, right. It's just right. not how this works. It's a it different media. Some things, but it's yeah, it's told in a different way. You're going to get some of the beats and hopefully a, a similar kind of emotional experience. Right. And And this being a psychological thing, I can't imagine a book not being way more in depth and way more engaging and, you know, surrounding it, you know, it's, it's when it's somebody's a book based on inner monologue and your own thoughts, then, you know, in a, then you put it in a movie that's a a suspense thriller where there's not so much talking, it's going to have totally different kind of things. But it's interesting that we, that these are the three movies that we've seen on this list. um, And there are, a handful more of, of horror movies. We're going to watch one more and then save the rest for next October. Mm-hmm. Um, the first movie we saw, Evil Dead, um, it it triggers your emotions with like overt, visceral, in your face, like ah, it's like somebody screaming in your face, right? right? It's like it's like look at this gross thing, um. Silence of the Lambs pokes at your emotions by slowly, creepily saying disturbing things to you. 
or, you know, the characters say to each other, but you're hearing them. Right. Sure. Ate his liver with some fava beans. Right. And a nice Chianti. This movie is neither of those. It's sort of eventually you get to some some creepy dialogue, but it's really not that creepy. It's more just aggressive. Yeah. There there are moments of creepy dialogue Psychotic, a little bit right. like um like Silence of the Lambs. And there are moments of disturbing <clears throat> imagery, like Evil Dead. But it's it's much more of a slow burn and you get less of a like um you know intense scary kind of thing like like Evil Dead and more of a you know we're gonna spend the first the whole first act just a little bit uneasy. Yeah and then the, and then the second act like a little more like you start to feel a little claustrophobic. And then the third act is just action and and tension and violence and right. the ultimate. It, it, for for me, it's been pretty easy. I, and I think that uh, it it's very much a lot like people saying horror and they group sci-fi into that. It really bothers me when people do that kind of thing because they just feel they're just totally different kinds of things. And when people see in sci-fi. Sorry, fantasy and sci-fi, or okay. yeah, actually, you say fantasy and they put horror in it, you know, and like, oh, uh, I'm I'm not trying to put them in genres. I'm just saying it's interesting how no. if you put these all in scary movies, we've gotten three very different right. types of scary. No, right, and that's what I'm saying is that these kind of fall. They definitely fall into the the broad scary movie kind of genre type thing. But to me, they're very different. I guess you want to say subgenres. When when sure. I go to the movie theater and someone says, "Let's go see a scary movie," a scary movie isn't a scary movie isn't a scary movie. That's too broad. That's saying, sure. "Let's go read a comic book." <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of comic book are you Let, reading? Right. Let's go watch a fictional movie. Yeah. So so this one, you're right. We had three very different ones, and I clearly label the first one as ho- what I call horror movie. It's Straight just, horror. I mean, the word horror means it's just overwhelmed with, you know, horrific things that are yeah. over the top. Yep. And the other one was a thriller. It was, I don't know, I guess it'd be a little bit less thriller, but had a lot of... Psychological crime thriller. Psychological crime thriller, right. And the other one is a suspense movie. It's like, it's you're, like you even use the words, it's, you're in suspense a little bit more, and then more, and then by the end, you're just like, you know, <laughs> in suspended, like anxiety of it's going to explode it just like the boiler type thing you mentioned that's that was kind of the point of it so these one's a suspense movie one's a thriller crime thing and another one is a um horror movie and those are very different things if someone said i want to go watch a horror movie i know what to expect and then they give me a silence of the lambs it's not the same right that's not what i expect <laughs> uh so this one i was very lenient watching this one from knowing the kind of time period. I mean, it was helpful that we watched uh, Evil Dead because it helped me put yeah. a perspective on like what it was for a movie, horror movie back in that time period. Yeah, and because the hotel is old, it's there are there are elements that are specific to the period like the cars. Yeah. But because it's an old hotel, like it reminds it reminds me of the hotel in uh West Baden in French Lick. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been down there? Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, when I go there, it reminds me of this. But watching it now, I'm like, yeah, it's like that old hotel. Like, that hotel looks the same now as it did in the 80s. 
Yeah, it's, and a, it's an old. I mean, um, yeah. you know, they change, and there are. It still felt diff- very seventies. There, there was so many seventies choices about sure. Like well, the carpets I mean, and the wall stuff. And, I mean, it came out in nineteen eighty, so that's what you're right. going to get as late seventies style. Right, which which helped me, which helped me rem- remind me all the time that this is an old movie for old pacing and you know uh, this kind of suspense and crazy lunatic stuff hadn't really been delved into yeah on, and it's on and it's theater. kubrick um, i think he's known for his kind of uh deliberate pacing um right and now you can see some really psychotically sociopath crazy people for lack of a better term um on movies done way better than this one has, but I kind of get it. Now, all that saying, Jack Nicholson, that dude is just creepy looking. Not just in this show, like in all shows. He he's, is I mean, he's creepy played looking a lot of that kind of role, right? Well, he just, his face just fits. Like, at one scene, he just, I mean, he's just sitting there normal and looks like he's got a, I will put the acronym, an RBF, where he's just, got a frown on his face all the time. It's just a natural mm-hmm. face. And then he immediately switches it to this high eyebrows Joker face. And you're like, that clearly is creepy and insincere. And that's just Jack Nicholson. Like he does right. those, those kind of facial changes in his whole career. Um, and I think, wow, that, that dude, I don't know how people knew him in real life or knew anything about thinking this dude is just one creepy kind of dude. Um, so, yeah, I didn't get when he switched. So a couple of things with the movie. I didn't get when he switched to crazy. Like, I didn't understand how that happened or why it happened. Besides, they did allude to the fact that it gets stressful out there being all alone. But he wasn't really all alone. And he just he just went crazy. But then yeah. I started to think it was because of the spirits. But they didn't come into his picture till later. Also, he's got a crazy demonic looking kid. <laughs> so that's probably why he's crazy. That that kid was freaky from the moment you see him, right? And he comes that, that that whole idea made me curious. And I looked apparently that the kid is six when this movie is made. Okay, and he didn't know that it was a horror movie. He's also not done anything. He was in like some documentary sure. about this, but he never pursued acting in any other six, way. Though, right? And right, he was six, and apparently Kubrick was very protective of him and he had no idea like what kind of movie he was making. He was probably just prompted to do different things. My sister was like, he didn't know this was a whole, when he's holding a knife and he's <laughs> saying red rum over and over. Like, he, he, well, no, he was six. He didn't know. He just did exactly what he was told. And, uh, you know, well that the, the voice, goes, I mean, I wonder if they just cast him for that voice, right? That, when he first says it at the table at the beginning and he starts speaking like what Tony or his name or something like that, you're like, holy cow, that voice is coming out of his mouth is freaky. Right. The creepy. Uh, apparently, um, Kubrick cast him, picked him um, because he was able to focus and concentrate for extended periods of time, which oh, like we talked yeah. about last week is pretty rare for a six year old. So, yeah. And you, you got to like pick your kids to, you know, it's tough to. <sighs> Right, right direct kids and stuff i, I mean he, so, i think you you know it's it's tricky for me because i read the book but it's been long enough that i couldn't remember the details so then when they got to it and he's talking to the bartender then you sort of it's up to you to cast back in your mind and go okay well he's got this mistake in his past that um 
taints his relationship with his son, right? Because he has this guilt and it affects his relationship with his wife because, you know, she doesn't really trust him anymore because of that. And he has to deal with that pressure from her and also the, the guilt in himself. And, but you don't get any of that until you get the story later. And so you go, okay, well, he's going, he's doing the job interview and all that kind of stuff. That's just his public face. Like that's him. Mm -hmm. It's, putting up the front when they've been alone in the hotel for over a month and he's trying to get writing done and he can't and she's you know not even you know she's not doing anything like naggy or no. or anything like that she's just you know trying to not really be affectionate but trying to help in a way yeah. that that he like the pressure starts to get to it uh, right. You don't understand why until later again, which is uh, kind of a strange um, directorial well, decision. When, when, but. when Nicholson delivers that line, that story about what he, how he accidentally, I'm using air quotes here, um, hit his son, mm -hmm. you know, with the papers and stuff, he he is like the worst shyster, mm. bad man that you could think of. Like yeah, every word seems... out of his mouth. Fully unrepentant. Oh, yeah. The, the like anybody would do this is a total like, I mean, it was mm -hmm. over the top bad. I mean, I, I think that's exactly what Nicholson was trying to do was like, this is this is a, a guy who is clearly wrong and clearly just, you know, people who are, are who try to justify terrible things say stupid, terrible things. And that's what he was doing. He was, you know, yeah. like I, anybody could have done it. it was a thing, <laughs> you know, just really stupidly over the top things. And Nicholson was like, at that point when I watched him, like, okay, this is a terrible guy. I mean, he's just yeah. at his core, terrible, whether this instance happened or not, he's a terrible guy. Well, and that also, it sort of follows the, the increase in tension that we talked about earlier. The movie starts with him interacting with a stranger and he's, mm -hmm perfectly friendly congenial kind of guy and then he's interacting with his family around other people still pretty normal still pretty well behaved mm -hmm. you see him after he's been alone in isolation with his family for over a month he starts to get a little snappy he starts to get a little demanding then he finally you know falls into this not I don't know what you want to call it, hallucination, where he's talking to spirits of the dead and drinking non-existent alcohol with, with these spirits. And now he's fully, you know, unfiltered, you know, complete, uh, you know, whatever darkness of his personality is coming straight out. Like it, it follows this progression or degression maybe from. Uh, right. Yeah. He, he, the, when the movie does its, big change and it does take a long while to get here mm -hmm. is when he he visits the bathroom with the the ghost butler and yeah that that was such an interesting scene because obviously this was all in his head and then the butler guy had, was just this total total character he was just a random butler extra it felt like right for a long time mm -hmm. and then you know jack nicholson's pushing him and you're like Dude, Jack Nicholson, you're just crazy. You're just crazy. This is already your imagination, and now you're trying to like make your an extra, and your and all of a sudden the ghost starts talking to him as like you know 
crazy ghost man. And you're like, oh, whoa, this is <laughs> that's when the movie started changing into like psycho suspense craziness, you know, ghosty murder type stuff. Right. Um, and I mean, it was always weird before, but then it got then it just went overhead. So then after that, I had to also suspend a lot of things about 70s things like can she stop? screaming and being helpless in every corner <laughs> and then swinging a bat like the dumbest thing you've ever seen when she's backing away from him. And, right. you know, there's so many things you just want to pass me, I guess, would be screaming at the TV saying, what is wrong with you? You know, what what kind of human being would do this? And that was a trope <laughs> of all the way through 80s and early 2000s still probably with like, you know, people or, or and I don't understand why directors or writers have to write that kind of stuff in. But um and Shelley Duvall is, how do I be polite here? She is such a weird looking person. I didn't really want to bring this up, but I could not escape that thought. Like, not every time she was on screen, but they they put her on camera in a certain way. And I'm like, I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't, her husband wanna... is weird looking, too. Jack Nicholson is weird, you know. Yeah. They're both weird people. And it was, and that's <laughs> fine, but it just. It was distracting, you know, like it's like like a felt like yeah. inbred cousins from the, you know, crazy places. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to say anything insensitive here, but it, right. it it felt like casting that was supposed to be unlikable. And so then right. who am I who am I supposed to sympathize with? Who is the protagonist? Like, am I supposed to sympathize with Psycho descending into madness, Jack Nicholson or Am I supposed to side with crazy, kind of scary, uh, panicky wife character? Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I wonder if I very conflicted. I was too, and and that's well said. How that's said, I I think maybe you're maybe you're supposed to sympathize with the son. I know, and and that's the unfortunate thing that makes me think Red like when I watch murder. these murder, murder. When I watch these seventies, six seventies and eighties shows, sometimes I I wonder if like that was the mentality of people. Like maybe people did identify with this kind of guy back in the seventies, you know, or the, the, the maybe w some women did identify with the hopeless housewife or whatever. And that was their, I mean, know, in, I don't in know. Evil Dead, we're clearly supposed to sympathize with Ash. Yes. Right? Like right. he's the guy, he's the hero in, yeah. in silence of the lambs. I think, and and maybe that's a thing. Maybe a lot of these horror scary movies don't have a protagonist. Maybe that's not the point. The point is just to sort of feel that emotional tension and 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 scare and be slightly disturbed for two and a half hours and then you know go back to your normal life. Maybe that's all it is. And I'm well, some people have some a lot of these movies have it. Like that's what the whole like I know what you did last summer movies or Scream were. They were all like. You know, that you want the girl to get away because, you know, you're kind of in that place with her type right. thing, you know. And that's right. So I wouldn't say all of those, but this one was just weird with that. Kind and of, so, they're, yeah, they're in Silence of the Lands, that's what you want the, the girl in the well to get away. You want them to catch. You want Clarice to catch Buffalo Bill or Wild Bill and or is it Buffalo Bill? Whatever. Buffalo Bill. You, you want her to catch him, but you don't know how to feel about Hannibal Lecter. You probably don't want him to escape, but the guy in charge of holding him is a complete, you know, douche. So right. This this movie, I will say, has done something that I haven't 
felt in a while. It got me a little <laughs> frightened. And that's okay. funny to say for a movie that I would not say frightened me. I did watch this at night and, mm. and I had contemplated because you had sent me a text saying like, it's a long movie and try not to watch it late. But I kind of wanted to watch it late ish so that I could like it be dark time and everybody in the house quiet. It so has I watched a, it. The, a word I used earlier, it has a deliberate pacing, which is a pretentious way of saying that at times it was slow. I don't yeah. want to criticize, slow. you know, one of the, quote unquote great directors but it at times the pacing felt slow i was aware that that was deliberate it wasn't like they were padding the movie for runtime because it's two and a half mm -hmm. hours long i felt like we're supposed to sit in this situation in this moment in this scene and go okay we're following the kid on the bike on the on the tricycle yeah, and he's right. going and now it's carpet and now it's wood and now right. it's carpet and now it's wood again now but that carpet. was some big Foley artist things right like, there, wasn't it? Like, how do you not notice that? I'm like, sound? oh, that's that's exactly how it sounds if you ride a, a big wheel tricycle across. <laughs> right. Like, it makes different sounds depending on what you're on. And this is what a kid would do alone in a giant hotel. He would ride his right. his dang big wheel around. Which, which I like, thought of that. I was like, oh, man, that would have been a fun place to do that. And, in, of right? course, yeah. this movie is so old. You're like, at some point, those twins are going to show up. And you're like, is it this corner? Is it this corner? Like nothing's happening and I'm so tense. Like that all felt deliberate. I just I sent you that text because I'm like, okay, this is not a this is not a negative about this movie, but it's something to be aware of. So if yeah. it's late and you're tired, you're gonna have a hard time. Right. Well so I watched this and some of those deliberately long scenes, they are long and they are meant to creep you out because it's kinda like one of those things if what's that comedy thing that uh, Seth what's his name says uh, uh, McFarlane where he's like if you say something seven times it's funnier every time after you say it the seventh time this is that like it's more and more suspenseful the longer you sit in that suspenseful moment right like they, it kept you looking at those twins for a long time <laughs> it's like, like uh, yeah, it's like them. edging yeah exactly and then it, the, the little boy would like hear this terrible sound and then it went on for like five minutes and it's intentional. <laughs> it's supposed to be that way, right? They they ran through they ran through that hedge maze for so long, right? Right. Yeah. And and so I'm sitting here in the house, and I'm I watch it in my bedroom, and the house is all dark, and I happen <laughs> and I've got Halloween stuff going on on my house right now, so I I have like security lights all the outside of my house. My house is pretty usually a lockdown place with alarms and mm -hmm. stuff, and it's got the um. It's it's pretty good. It's secure. It's got, like I said, big lights outside. But during Halloween, I've got like those projector things that are fun on the house that like show witches and flying mm -hmm. and stuff. And uh, so I turn off all the outside security lights so that you can see those. <laughs> and that night I had forgot to turn on the outside like witches and stuff light and the moons and stuff. So it was just dark outside. And I live, you know where I live. I live out. So it's like pitch black around. There's mm -hmm. no other lights. So... The house was dead quiet. It was nothing going on. And then it's just on these really tense scenes. And then I hear something from the other room and I'm the only one in the house. And I'm like, you know, I pause it and I sit for like five minutes solid, just listening <laughs> to the house. Right. And then, and then there's nothing. And then you play it again and you hear it again. And like that was, and I, and I recognize like this movie with this sound and music is doing this to me. It's that dissonant chords that it's playing. that's making me anxious and I hear something out of my thing. It was really well done. To, to, and it did it to me. And it succeeded. And I realized that it's it was my ice maker 
dumping a thing of ice in the kitchen. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but that's clearly somebody moving around and dropped something. Um, which yeah, is- that's that's what I talked about last week. Um, that feeling is what I got reading this book. Except, yeah. you know, it took me more than two and a half hours to read the book. And so I <laughs> right. got that feeling for a long time for many nights in a row. And I so bet. It's sort of, yeah. It, it, it doesn't help. It, it's funny. I have Alexa around my whole entire house for lights mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and I can be sitting there and look down my hallway from my bedroom into the living room area out there. And I like, you know, Alexa, turn on the the sunroom tree and it, it, it turns on. You're looking like listening for a reaction or, you know, <laughs> or, or you're maybe there's movement and then you have it turn on other lights while you're still sitting there and throughout the house. And I'm like, and now you're just seeing weird shadows. And now I'm just seeing weird shadows <laughs> and the lights turn on and off by themselves in the room, which made it even creepier. Uh, so I was like, you know what? Just turn them all off, Alexa. Just turn. Right. And then that's when that scene went on was the red rum scene. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was right. suspenseful. Um, I think we've we've sort of done this already, but uh, let's do final judgments. Sure. I think that this movie was fine for the movie. In 1980, I thought it was pretty great. I can see why this was called a modern masterpiece of horror in 1980. I totally can get that. I don't, again, I would not put this on a top 100. I think there are other scarier, if, if we're doing a broad category of scary movies, it's including horror, suspense, and thriller. There are better ones that have come since. So so if you don't separate it into the these three archetypes that we've seen so far, mm-hmm. or subgenres, um, if you have just one in the umbrella category of scary movie, it's it's not you you have one that's not one we've seen yet. Well, I mean, I was again, it's all situational too. But like, I was of terrified of Chucky and Pumpkinhead and like oh. nightmares of things like that, and and even like Nightmare on Elm Street. Those things were terrifying as a kid. Yeah, or, I've never seen any of those except some of the sequels that were out in the early 2000s. Yeah, and and even like Scream, Scream was terrifying and. I know what you did last summer. There were so many of those things that are terrifying. This was the top of its game, the best of something new and amazing. And I appreciate it for that in 1980. I totally do. And, you know, Stanley Kubrick gets good big props from me for that. Is it something that I put on my 100? You got to watch these movies of all time to watch. I would not say so. That's not a knock on the movie. It's okay. It's good for what it is. It just was not on my top list. Sure. Um... Uh, yeah, it's it's hard for me to um to endorse this movie too heavily after I sort of slammed it the first time I watched it and and last week when we talked about it before. Um I think if you have not read the book or if you uh have read the book and understand that adaptations you know in in as much as you possibly can uh stand alone from their source material. Um, I think it's still effective at being scary. We've talked about all that before the, for the spoiler break. Um, and for something that's the spoiler break, there's not a whole lot of spoilers here. Jack Nicholson's a crazy guy. Uh, yeah. Shelley Duvall talked... is a helpless female <laughs> who falls down all the time. It's, you know, we, it's all, we mostly, is. we mostly talked about the ending at the yeah, beginning sure. of the, of the spoiler section, but sure. I, as not being a, a particular fan of this entire scary movie subgenre. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else that I would put in this list. If if I were only going to pick one in the scary movie genre, 
I think I would probably stick with Silence of the Lambs sure. over this. Um, I'm okay leaving these both in here. I don't know what I would put in here again instead of this because I'm not up on, you know, the closest thing to a to a recent horror movie I've seen was A Quiet Place, and I couldn't get right. past all of the um, poor logic and decision making. Right, like story. like even shows like Bird Box. Like that was pretty scary and had some tense moments and things like that. There's, there's a lot of, and I just kind of put on the spot now, I can't think of something right off my head, but I know that there are, when I watched the Blair Witch Project for the first time, when it, before, you know, while it was in the middle of the heyday of, is it real? Is it not real thing? Mm. What was terrifying. And that was much more panic inducing than what this one was. So again, it's, not putting it a bad bad thing for it. It's just like there's other movies that you know. If yeah, I sat I, down to it, would probably scare me more. If yeah, if I sat down and thought about it more, the the things that were more effective for me were things that were. And again, this is like we talked about teen movies. Um, the movies that were contemporary when I was in my late teenage years. Mm-hmm. Those were the things I saw at that time that I you know think were scary enough that. I would put those on the list instead. So, so, okay. So what's your final thumbs up, thumbs down on your list? Um, I, it was better this time than the first time I saw it, but I think if I, you know, wanted to, if I sat down and tried, I could find something else to put in this slot. Right. And that's, that kind of what's important to hear to that kind of decisions that like, you don't have to have something now, but if you can feel that there's probably something that you've seen or to have a feeling there's something seen that you could probably fit into on your list that would kind of be a better upgrade, then it probably doesn't need to necessarily belong in your list. Cause a hundred movies sounds like a lot, but that's actually limited in your whole history world of watching shows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what do we got next? Oh, uh, we're going to, we're going to shuffle up the schedule a little bit here. Um, instead of American Psycho, uh, we're going to go a little more, I guess, lighthearted and we're going to watch this, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I've never seen the the quintessential cult classic. As far as I'm aware, I've never seen it either. So, uh, we'll see. It, It is the term cult classic. Like when people say cult classic, that's the one I, I, I think is in the dictionary. Right. Mm. Like I, I don't the way I've been described it to by anyone who likes it or anyone who partakes in it is the is the uh, there's no reason to like it. It's a cult classic. Yeah. Right. So yeah. so that's going to be interesting for us to watch. And it's neat that we're having this one now, because like you said earlier, that we've watched three very different kind of scary or Halloween ish <laughs> movies. And this one seems to be another one that's not the same. Right. Why is this not a any- Halloween one anyway? I mean, it has horror in the name. It does say, I guess it does have horror in the name. I don't yeah. know anything else about it. I don't, I don't either. I don't even know the synopsis. Okay. Well, we're, we'll both be pleasantly surprised at, at this one. Or, yeah. Or, 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 or disappointed. Or maybe we'll just be confused. And, 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 I, and if I come out of this next week not understanding things, I bet you the people listening will be like, yeah, of course you don't understand it. You tried to think about it, right? Okay. So okay. Um, I don't, we're already over 90 minutes, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to start another thing. We'll talk about... Oh, we've got so uh, much to talk about. We'll talk about the trouble with Edward next time we have a third short track to talk about. Okay, um, fine. Next next week, I'm coming down to Bloomington, and we're going to watch a bunch of the panels and uh, things at yeah. BlizzCon. So there's a good and chance if you don't like Blizzard, don't listen to next week's episode. 
I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking what we might want to do, and I shouldn't talk about this on the air, but um, what if we what if we record an off episode? Well, we'll have to see what kind of information we get. I know this is you and I's first you you and I's first time at watching BlizzCon live, so maybe it'll be just a bunch of esports stuff with nothing interesting, or just chock full of an, another episode. Yeah, if we have some stuff to chat about, maybe we'll spend some time Sunday, um, you right. know chatting about it record it and then do a quick turnaround or you yeah know, later in the week or something and still do our normal monday show for all of our non-blizzard fanboy listeners right but i'm excited about it i think it'll be pretty cool and um you know coming down i think watching it myself would be okay but watching it with somebody who kind of likes blizzard as well <laughs> as much shade sure. as i've thrown on blizzard in the past at times i i right, never right. doubt that they're, that they're a fantastic company th- they're in this weird place where they caught a lot of heat last year for their Di- diablo immortal uh stuff which and i so liked. <laughs> people's people's expectations are you know cautiously optimistic it's kind of a you know last year was so bad this year has to be pretty good to gain back some of that goodwill, especially after all this uh, political Hong Kong stuff. Um, like, okay, yeah. come on, let's. Which, uh, looking at their schedule, we I don't, I mean, I don't see anything on there. There's a few things blocks that you had mentioned that are like coming soon, things that could be blocks, but they have several so, big blocks of time that say coming soon. So that's where people are yeah. speculating, guessing, like, what's and you this and I, be? what's this going to be? Right, and you and I had a whole segment about what we think it could be so we won't we won't hash over that one but what what do we think it'll be and what do we you know if it were us if we had you know blue sky dreams like what what might it be but it probably won't be right so so we'll we'll, uh this will be a good chance to watch this with you and we can like i said have interest in this thing it would be kind of nice instead of just watching it by myself um okay so we'll talk about that for sure in some capacity coming up soon okay Awesome. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 114. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek or role-playing podcasts featuring Star Trek, you can check out our other show, KlingonsAndDragons.com. It is not safe for work. If you have questions, comments, feedback on the show, you can email us, FrontPorchPod at gmail.com. Over on our website, FrontPorchPodcast.com, we've got contact forms, we've got comment boxes on every episode, we've got show notes when... We have show notes. Uh, the schedule for the 100 movies, which I'll need to update now because we're dropping the queue. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. Thanks always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. Over on Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.